0: Welcome to episode 23 of the Scout Trailblazers podcast. And this week I have the pleasure of talking with Brian Wickman, the creator of Grit, which is now out in collected form. How are you doing, Brian? I'm
1: doing well. Thanks for
0: having me, Wayne. It's good to talk with you. Now, you've also done a a book called Big White, right?
1: I did, yes. Yeah, that was my first work, uh, a self-published book.
0: Great, great. And then Grit came out, and uh, I really enjoyed the story, I have to say. I just think it's one of those great, fun books. I always like main characters (laughs) who are less verbose, shall we say, than Mm -hmm. others. Yeah. (laughs) And and the main guy here is – and, of course, his name's not Grit. No, no. This
1: gentleman's name is Barrow. Yes. Yeah. So, right. Yeah.
0: I think I, you and I have talked about this book before in other, uh, yeah, Yes. Yeah. and I've got to ask you again, why is it called grit?
1: Uh, it's called grit because grit feels like the title <laughs> I think is the right answer. Um, it's a book that I think at first glance, the grit might lead you to believe it's sort of a grim, dark fantasy. But I think that if you finish the series, the grit refers to a certain strength of character. Um, and, uh, yeah, the general vibe was this sort of lived in rundown deep South fantasy and grit just feels right for it.
0: Mm-hmm. And I know we've talked about this before, but the way that it starts out, I always find entertaining. So yeah. <laughs> uh, it starts out and, and it, it's, is it that's gnomes that, that, uh, he's after, right?
1: There's a so he he gets hired to take care of a troll problem, which troll, isn't quite right. what you would what you'd expect the problem to be. It's that a farmer is missing her trolls, um, and then runs into all manner of other nasties in that first issue.
0: Yeah, and the first issue, the first thing we see is a troll. Yes, <laughs> uh, relieving himself. Shall we? Say. I,
1: I like to joke that that's why Scout picked the book up. They were so impressed with that first page. <laughs>
0: Well, it gives you kind of a tone as to how the book's going to go. Pretty yeah, much. yeah. It's uh, it's far from high fantasy. That's for yeah, sure. <laughs> that's the thing. It's great fun. And uh, one of the things I always love about the book, too, is that the trolls, when they speak, their word balloons are green like they are.
1: Yeah. Uh, so, Micah Myers is the letterer on the book, and I sort of gave him free reign. That was, that was a touch that he did and something that kind of comes up in a couple different ways where otherworldly stuff usually has a black balloon – um, the sort of uh, inhuman, like the the goblins and trolls, and there's a, a character in the second issue, have this sort of teal that sets them apart. Um, yeah, I like the way that he sort of distributed different balloons throughout his lettering, and they made some interesting through lines through the issues, I think.
0: Another great thing I love about the book is it's very action-oriented. Um, it is. There's yeah. some pages where there's a uh, more dialogue, but There are a lot of pages where it's yeah. – let's just say that Uh, axe gets a lot of use.
1: It it certainly does, yeah. Especially uh, (laughs) – issue one, I tried to sort of throw the reader right into the deep end and set up the the mythology of this main character before I took a a chance to slow down a little in the, the rest of the series.
0: Mm-hmm, which is really great. It's a great fun series. I really enjoyed it. I think it's great. You know, Chris, uh, I usually don't like a book where you measure the the blood and quartz, but this is <laughs> one of those books, and I really got a kick out of it because I like the the main character. So it's just great, great fun.
1: Well, I think one of the things that Kevin does really well is he he makes it more fun than gruesome, even when there are these pints of blood being thrown around. mm mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> Good stuff. Uh you know, we should talk a little bit about the color too, because the, the use of color is quite you know creative through the it's the three issues in this uh yes. story. Yeah. And yeah. the first issue has got a lot of red. The second issue has is got doesn't have quite so much red. It's it's more green and, and although there is a I can't say there's no red in the yeah. second issue. There is some red in the second issue.
1: Particularly one splash page, yes. Yes, <laughs> that's where
0: I get a bunch. And then we get to the third issue where things kind of resolve, which is kind of a fun thing. I really I really enjoyed that story. And now that it's out in collected form, one of the great things about the collected edition is that you've got two short stories.
1: We do, yeah. Yeah. These are two artists that I'm friends with who I've wanted to work with for a long time, and I was glad to be able to get them involved with it. Um, Simon Kirks does the first one. It's called The Cellar. Um We first hosted that uh, to promote the book on Multiversity Comics. Um, so that's been out there for a little bit. And that um, establishes the bond between Barrow and his undead drinking buddy. Mm -hmm. Um, and one of the things I really wanted to do with both of those stories is slow down uh, a little bit, which is, they're only four page shorts, but I wanted to make sure that they weren't so action heavy because there's more to this world than, you know, just swinging a sword. And then, uh, Dylan Snook is the artist on the other, who's a fantastic artist. Um, and it's about, uh, Barrow accidentally adopting a dog.
0: (laughs) mm mm-hmm. It ends really well. The the, the mutt, I really like that one because it ends superbly, yeah. Yeah. which I like. It's just such a great the, – the story is great fun. Now, uh, one thing I didn't get into very much because the last time you and I talked was before the second issue had come out. And there's a, a, a another character that gets introduced in the second issue, and she has an important role to play as things move, where Barrows is kind of a quiet guy Uh, why don't you talk about the the girl Uh, sure
1: sure. uh so ari is introduced in the second issue and she was a very intentional sort of foil to to barrow um and she's very talkative Uh, i describe her as aggressively pacifistic um she she's really not on board with the ultra violence um the first thing that she does in the second issue is sees the chaos that is left behind after the acts of the first issue and throws up because it's gross. Um, Ari is the kind of person who would not enjoy the book she is in, (laughs) um, which is what I like about her. I I think Um, it makes her a really interesting character because she's sort of pushing against the tone that we set up in the first issue. Mm -hmm. And um, that does some creative things in resolving the conflict at the Mm -hmm. end. Yeah,
0: Which is fun. She, of course, she tends to yell at him at times.
1: Yes, uh, I would. I, she only yells. <laughs> I like to imagine it's all yelling. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, because she's uh, and of course she always calls people idiots and things like that. And so she's yeah, always yeah. she's always got strong opinions about what's happening around her. And uh, and you're right, she doesn't care for it very much. No, no, she's <laughs> a not a fan. You no, know, she's she's a lot of fun though. She she is the perfect foil for him though because. Him being so quiet and so active, I guess is the way to go. Yeah, with it. And, yeah. and, and she doesn't want to go that route. She wants to, well, she wants to question what yes. what he likes yeah. to do. And there's, you know, <laughs> the way that it resolves the, yeah. is fun.
1: I think the, the relationship between the two of them is interesting because. Barrow could just leave ostensibly, but you you find out what kind of stubborn individual he is based solely on the fact that he sticks around. Mm -hmm. Um, She gives him the option not to participate in the rest of the story, and he opts to uh, continue trying to do things his way.
0: Mm -hmm. Which is great fun for you. I I have to say, being a guy... I guess I relate to barrels more because he kind of operates like guys tend to do. <laughs> we want to do things in an active way and, you know, we want to play the games and do the stuff and we don't want to argue about stuff. We just want to get down to business and make things happen. And that's the way he is. And like I said, I am strongly drawn to characters who are quieter in nature. I, I, uh, one thing I like about him is the fact that he does not uh you know you have to really <laughs> you have to go at him uh, quite a bit for him to say something and i I like that about him. I, you know, most of the time in comics, there's the word balloons are massive and they're all over yeah. the place sometimes. And he is not going to be doing that. And so I I always have felt when I've talked to people who are quieter, if you can get responses from them, that means more. And I think that's the way with Barrows is that he is, <laughs> you know, if the way that yeah. she does stuff to him actually makes him respond and when I read that, and I see that, and the way that he does that, I, I'm actually—he's somebody I wouldn't mind being friends with in right. real life.
1: He's got, he got some really stories. Is. It's just tough to pry him out.
0: Yeah, which is which is just yeah. great. I well, mean, that's—I you know, think the
1: the first thing that he says to Ari is, "I ain't much for talking, kid." Yeah. <laughs> um, which you know, he finds himself in a situation where he doesn't have much of a choice. But mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think I I agree. I've always been drawn to that sort of character who sort of responds to the world around them, um, and it, which is not to say he doesn't have agency in the story. He's certainly the one driving it forward, but he doesn't need to. You know, this is this is a, a day at the job for him, so he doesn't need to think too hard about what he's doing, whether or not what he's doing is the right solution.
0: Mm-hmm. At yeah. uh, the beginning of the second issue, it starts out with him saying two word sentences.
1: Yes. Yeah. The, fir-
0: the first thing he says is hate swamps. Yep. Next panel, there's a, there's obviously <laughs> a dead person that he's looking at, and he goes mm-hmm. hate people. He goes, and then of course he ends up, and obviously there's some sort of magical stuff going on. He goes hate witches. <laughs> yep. Every sentence starts <laughs> with the word hate, and then he starts to say something else when he gets interrupted. And yeah. the thing that interrupts him says, awful lot of hate in their bones, you <laughs> got "Yeah," Which was a wonderful bit of comedy there. I mean, you know, I, that's so, that is so rich, you know, because. You know, you don't have to say many words to be funny. And I, that's the great way to start out the second book is to start that out with that. Yeah. I yeah. just, I, I laughed out loud when I read that. I thought that was <laughs> well, I'm, so I'm glad funny. it worked. Yeah. <laughs> so um, great.
1: <laughs> well, that's one of the fun things about this book is seeing people respond to it, where I've had some people refer to it as a horror story. Some people have called it, uh, like a, a buddy comedy. Uh, it's a fantasy adventure to some, but I, I, that's sort of where I like to operate is between all of those things. Um, I think that there's some inherent silliness to all of these genres and I like to kind of play with that. Mm -hmm.
0: So I I always have to ask uh, when I ask people who create characters, are they based on anybody, you know, are they figments of your imagination? Sparrows? Is he somebody you know that you wrote into the book? What about the girl? Where did they come from?
1: I think it's just sort of an amalgamation of all the things that I like. Um, I, I'm a huge pulp fantasy guy. I love um, Moorcock and Howard, and especially I'm a huge Fritz Leiber fan. Um, Fafford and Grey Mouser are my all-time favorite fantasy characters, and I've always loved – that pairing of sort of big burly barbarian and then the sort of wily rogue um so this was kind of my take on that where you know i sort of put that through the lens of this almost western but kept the fantasy setting which is why Barrow often gets the the Clint Eastwood comparison. And that's sort of what I wanted to do is what happens if Clint Eastwood plays Dungeons and Dragons. (laughs) Um, So yeah, it's just sort of all the things that I like mashed together. And then Ari kind of came out of it naturally when I, I originally planned when Kevin and I started working on this, it was just supposed to be a big fantasy adventure one shot. And then we decided, okay, well, this ends in such an interesting place. What happens next? And I think that the only way for this story to work out is to bring someone who disagrees with Barrow. And Ari was just sort of, how could I push the antithesis of this, you know, almost warmongering barbarian of a man? Uh, And it was with someone who was loud, which is the opposite of him, and someone who doesn't take to violence. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's sort of where it came from, is just sort of figuring out what do I like, and how can I push this through a lens that I'll have fun with?
0: Yeah, I'm always interested in relationships because opposites attract, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and there's that is so true of these two. You know, they yeah. he does not have much to say; she speaks in long sentences, and it's it's fun to watch them interact. And you know, if it's just perfect the way that they do stuff with each other. At one point, she actually starts to lecture him yeah. <laughs> and what she does is make sure that he's not in a position to argue yeah. shall we say Yeah. and I just got a huge kick out of that I just I found that a whole bunch of uh, funny to watch and to read and to see how they how they do stuff and I, I, I you know I, I, part of me wants to know what happens to them after the third issue
1: yeah. Uh, it's possible you'll find out at some point. <laughs> um, we've we've got plans. Uh, it's just a matter of when and if we get around to them. But I'm also a sucker for this sort of ending where, you know, um, Ari maintains a level of mystery. But I feel like you, even though it's a very concise series, I, I've referred to this as a sword and sorcery slice of life because it is just sort of two or three days in the life of Barrow and this mysterious person who sort of enters and leaves just so quickly, but makes a major impact. I, I sincerely feel like at the end of just 66 pages of content, he's something of a changed man. The, the final page is sort of a, yeah, I won't spoil too, too much, but it, it marks a shift in what he's planning to do with himself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, yeah, yeah. I Ari's story, <laughs> if, if ever I get to tell it, will go in some some oddball directions. But uh, this one, this one marks a major shift for Barrow at the end of it.
0: Yeah, it's well.
1: Well, we're again, coming in at the end of a career. Mm-hmm. Is the way I look at it. He, he's a man who's been doing this for a very long time.
0: Hmm. Yeah. And he's really good at it. That's the interesting yeah. thing about it. Now about her, where is she in her career when this happens? So there's only some tiny,
1: tiny allusions to to her whole situation. Um, Mostly that she is new in town. Um, So I will say that Ari is something of a wanderer, just kind of going place to place, making her way. And she finds herself in the wrong place at the wrong time in this story. Um, Or the wrong place at the right time, depending on how many townsfolk you ask. (laughs) Um, Yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Ari is sort of not sure what she's doing with herself and just finds herself in the company of the, the deadliest old man you can imagine.
0: <laughs> um, one of my favorite things that uh, Barrow says is when he gets to a place where, uh, let's just say he finds himself in a similar situation he has before, and he goes, this again? <laughs> and I busted out laughing. This book, honestly, was one of the funniest books that I've read in a long time, which is, you know, and I didn't expect that. From a book named Grit. Yeah. You know, yeah. with a character like that. I really did not. And that's that was one of the wonderful things about it. And then of course, the archdemon, who's the, 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 the yes. bad guy, shall we say, yeah. in this. Uh, how do you pronounce that name? Well, uh, Arch- Graciel. Arch- Arch- yes. Demon. Yeah. The archdemon of the end times. Yeah. <laughs> identifies himself. Um,
1: maybe my favorite bit in the comic is when him identifying himself gets interrupted. um i yeah i'm a a sucker for cutting off dialogue Mm -hmm. it's never not funny to me
0: (laughs) yeah it's it's i always watch star trek the next generation and picard would be there and in the second season they brought in a doctor uh and she was forever cutting him off Mm -hmm. and finally one place like halfway through the season he goes are you ever gonna let me finish a sentence (laughs) Tour. And I always got a kick out of that because it's the same thing with this: is that yeah. your imagination can fill in exactly what's going on, but uh, we don't necessarily need that. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I we'll talk about the demon a little bit because sure the, the he you know we talked about the 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 red color and all that stuff, mm. but he's the, one of the main sources of red yes he uh, is yeah. red i mean he's all up, up and down he's red all over and uh, <laughs> talk about him and who he is and, and i don't know if it's he even i guess with the name like that it could be either
1: yeah I, I think i'm just lovingly referred to as an it uh, um because who knows yeah uh so the, the number one thing i'll say is kevin castanero who is the artist on the series uh has blown me away at every turn with his design sensibilities when it comes to this sort of thing um And one of the most interesting things to me about his design is that over the course of the three issues, while the threat sort of grows, uh, the physical stature of this creature shrinks, um, which I thought was kind of a fun way to approach it um, in much the same way that the story sort of posits the question, well, is Conan the Barbarian the best problem solver? Um, It also sort of posits the question what is the bigger threat here? Is it this towering monstrosity or is it something that weasels its way into getting people to do terrible things? Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, that's subtle subtext max masked under gratuitous action, (laughs) but, um, that's sort of what we were trying to do with that design and how it becomes more human throughout the course. And, um, Kevin's final design of Graciel in the third issue, Um, When he sent me his initial sketches, my immediate response was, I don't like looking at this, so it's right. (laughs) Um, There's something very human about it, and this blank slate of a face that it has is very unnerving until things start popping out of it, and it gets more and more grotesque. But yeah, Kevin just did phenomenal work on that. and I think that one of the things is that the bad guy is not – so much a character as an entity and um, something that allows the relationship and the tension between Ari and Barrow to really be the standout through-line sort of um, driving plot thing here. It's, it's not... While the story is obviously about let's stop the bad thing, that's sort of a tool to explore this complicated relationship between the two characters.
0: Mm-hmm. It's just so much fun. I just I, You know, normally in stories like this, the, the bad guy, I mean, if it's like a vampire, the the bad guy is strikingly handsome and, and all that stuff. That's not the case in this book. And I, I one thing that I really enjoyed about that was that, just that whenever I see monsters and stuff, I thought not think they're going to be monstrous. I I don't know why, but you know, many comics don't go that route, but yours did. And I was so relieved to see, Oh wow. A monster. It looks like a monster. How about that?
1: Yeah. I think I Kevin that. did a great job with that throughout. There's a, uh, this sort of swamp, witch that pops up in the second issue, who is also very sort of uncomfortable to look at. Um, and even just the, the goblins and trolls, there's, there's something very unsettling about Kevin's design sensibility that works really well for this kind
0: of thing. Well, even barrels doesn't necessarily look like –
1: Yeah, yeah. No one's one the- handsome here.
0: Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm always bothered by the fact that the X-Men, instead of having like a an, an arm growing out of their forehead or something like that, like mutants <laughs> should do. I mean, they're all teen uh, models and stuff yeah. like that. And I'm always kind of like, I don't know if radiation would make everybody look more appealing.
1: Yeah, we don't or, have any of that in this book.
0: Well, thankfully. <laughs> that, that's one of the things I loved about it was the fact that it was very much more the way I kind of hope these things play out.
1: <laughs> I think that the characters in this feel feel the way that Deep South fantasy characters should.
0: <laughs> <sighs> so much fun. Such a great read. I, I really enjoy the, the story. It's great fun. Lots of surprises along the way. The resolution is a big surprise to me. And more than that, I won't say uh, because I, I want people to be surprised like I was when you get there. Uh, I, the townsfolk get me. I think they're funny, you know, the, the way that they deal with stuff and the, the, their role in the the story is is mm. great fun, yeah, as well. So I just, <laughs> you know, I, I I just thought this was one of those great books. I, I would love to see this be a movie at some point. You know, yeah. <laughs> It, it, it there's room st- for it to grow, yeah. Well, there's there's all this stuff going on and all this action and, and uh dialogue at the same time. But things don't stay still, no. which is the thing I really like about it. It shouldn't I, I really don't like that things stay still so a lot of time and we have to spend a lot of time dissecting things, and there's not a lot of that in this book. This is a lot of uh, things happening. And that's what I really like. And this is, I, I like to watch TV shows like that. And that's why I kind of would prefer this be a, a movie or, a, I don't know, sci-fi. Yeah. One of the things
1: that Kevin and I sought to do, especially in that condensed three issue, you know, package is you have to keep moving to keep you know, the the plot driving forward. And one of the ways we got creative with that is the little not that this is a heavy on exposition book, but the tiny bits that we do get, we snuck into planning for the next plot device. Like there's just two or three pages of setup on the final issue that lead you into the major conflict. And even through that, we snuck a couple of jokes with Ari talking to some birds and Barrow, uh, examining some, some things. Um, yeah, but we, we snuck that little bit of exposition into quick little conversations that kind of snap in and out as quick as we could. Cause that's how, that's also how I like to read. I like, I like a brisk pace. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a slice of life is an interesting way to think about this because it is just sort of, one rapidly moving job for this character. Mm
0: -hmm. You know, it reminds me of, if you ever read um, in the newspaper, they would have daily strips and I I bought these old Batman newspaper strips. And the thing that was interesting was in three panels, something had to happen.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: You know, you, you, if you were going to read, this was going to hold you for a whole day, something significant had to take place. The Batmobile had to run into something. Batman had to punch something something had to happen. And this book is very much like that. Something is happening all the time. Yeah, Even the yeah. dialogue is pushing the plot forward. So something is going on. And I, I, you know, I get a little tired of all the dialogue sometimes in some of the other books. I, I, yeah.
1: Almost every page turn in the series is at least a minor scene transition. We tried to keep it brisk.
0: It's great. I really loved it. I just think this is one of those books. I'd love to see more of it. I hope we do get to see more of it because I would love to see where you would take these characters.
1: Yeah, it's uh, we've we, we 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 got some plans, uh, and I, I think at some point, one way or another, we will circle back to it. Um, but yeah. Yeah, we've got plans. I would also love to see more.
0: <laughs> it, it's, if it was a webcomic, I would log on as regularly as possible to see what was going to happen next Yeah, because it's tremendous fun. Again, it's called Grit. Um, if you can't find the collected edition of the individual issues, and there was three of them in your local shop, be sure to go to scoutcomics.com and go to the store there and look under Grit, and that's where you'll find the, the, the collected edition. I don't remember if there's individual issues there, but I would go with the collected edition just because uh, you want the whole story. If, if if you're like me and you like a good story like this, it's just gonna. <laughs> yeah,
1: there's a there's a couple of a uh, nice variant covers left up there as well. So if if
0: you're a collector, that kind of thing is still around. Cool, cool. It's it's just it's wonderful stuff. It's just one of those great stories, unlike other books out there today, and I love variety in my reading. And this is one of those books that gives me that wonderful variety that I look for and I seek. And so I just think that uh, Brian, this is a great book. You guys did a terrific job with it. Yeah. Thanks Wayne. uh, I really appreciate it. So let's see, are there other projects you're working on that you can talk about or is this kind of
1: not um, that I can talk about, but yes, there are projects I'm working on. Um, good. I know Kevin's got some things cooking as well. Um, Simon Goff, who did colors on the book, uh, worked on uh, Providence of Madness out by Scout right now and also the Techno Horror books that will be coming out through the Black Caravan imprint so if you want to support Simon go grab all those as well
0: great, great. well I'm sure they're great fun in a horrific kind of way
1: I'm um, sure
0: <laughs> <laughs> so if people want to follow you as far as like what you're doing on keeping up with on your comics and stuff how do they do that on social media uh,
1: I am at BM Wickman just about everywhere you could find me
0: Great, great, okay, so uh facebook, yeah Twitter. facebook, Twitter, Instagram,
1: you name it at b m Wickman I'm probably there
0: <laughs> um are there do you tend to to write in this genre? is this the kind of book you like to tell, or are there other kinds of genres you prefer um, or did that you want to do how how does that work with you?
1: I am largely a fantasy fan, but I am stretching for my next projects. Yeah. They'll be a little, little different. Um, yeah. So you could, you could probably expect some horror out of me in the near future.
0: Oh, okay. That'll be fun. that will be fun yeah. to see. Cause I think you, 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 uh, uh, did a good job of stretching those muscles in this book. <laughs> I, I can't imagine you writing though, without some humor involved. I bet there's no, humor.
1: no, I, um, I, I try to, I, I've never been a fan of things that feel oppressive to read. I don't want to be in a bad mood when I finish something. So I, I try to get a little something light in everything I do.
0: Great. great. But but as far as the Barrow's character, he's kind of staying in, in the grit universe pretty much?
1: He is, yeah. Um, but – like I said, we'll, uh, we'll circle back at some point. Uh, there's a little bit, I, you know, probably sooner rather than later, I've got some little bits of things that'll come out, um, over on Twitter, especially I, um, I posted a bunch of unused art and some concept art from the series. Um, I started work with Simon Kirks who did that wonderful short, the seller in the back of the trade. Um, we started on a short story called the Ballad of the bloom night, uh, following Andre that undead, uh, wine-drinking zombie <laughs> fella uh, from that story. We we explored his background a little bit, and I'll be posting that online at some point. So yeah, we're we're still playing around in the world. It's just, might be a little bit until we uh, circle back to a full story again.
0: Well, that's good to hear because I really enjoyed it. I thought it was tremendous fun. I'm glad the pandemic didn't kill it. I'm glad that no. <laughs> uh, it came through and survived the pandemic, which not all of us did. Yeah. But this story did, thankfully. So I'm, I'm really happy about that. So Well, I'm hopeful that we'll get to see more of your stuff sooner rather than later. I think that'll be great fun to do. And we know how to keep up with you. So that's going to be fun. So as a librarian, this is an interesting thing. I mean, I think many librarians I know have this kind of sense of humor, shall we say. And I I look forward to that other articles that and things that you'll write and the stories that you'll tell because the characters will always be engaging. I think that's the great thing about uh, your writing, Brian, as we go forward. So like I say, Brian is keep it up and just make more of these wonderful things and uh you know just just do those good things and tell the stories that you want to tell so that we get to read them so i just look forward to them and just keep up the wonderful stuff
1: yeah thank you so much wayne it's always a pleasure